Hi folks, Gary Kelly here from gkmedia.ie. Firstly, I want to thank everyone who has been supporting the show. Last week, we reached number 24 in our Apple Podcast Entrepreneurship category, which is amazing considering there are millions of episodes out there. So if you've downloaded the show, streamed it, subscribed to it, recommended it to a friend, whatever you have done, thank you so much. It takes about eight hours every week to put the show together from scratch and then push it out there. And it's all to help those in business affected by COVID-19 right now. So seeing the stats grow more and more each week is very fulfilling. So thank you so much. This week, our special guest is Emily Kyo, who is a partner of Kyo Accountancy and is a chartered certified accountant and tax advisor. In a nutshell, Emily is going to talk about protecting your company finances availing of certain incentives currently available to businesses in Ireland, the reality of what's ahead. We talk about the Suspended Redundancy Act and how money can actually be saved if the value of houses drop over the coming months. For anyone who has an interest in safeguarding their finances and making the most of their cash flow, this is Essential Listening. Enjoy. This is a GK Media Podcast. Emily Kyo, partner of Kyo Accountancy, thank you very much for joining us on Gary Talks this week. No problem at all. Thanks a million for having me. Let's get straight to the heart of the matter. When did you notice back in March that we were in trouble as a country? Well, I suppose when the coronavirus first came in China, Rory O'Byrne in our office, he's a very intelligent man. And uh, he brought it to our attention probably as early as January. And he predicted that this is going to be a global pandemic, which he was correct. Um, I suppose we first noticed it early March when the first case was confirmed in Ireland. And the impact didn't really hit. So until middle of March, we closed our offices on the 14th of March uh, 2020 to the public for the safety of our clients and the safety of our staff. Um, That was very important to us. The week after that, the wage subsidy scheme started appearing into domain, I suppose, and the unemployment benefit. And it was just ever changing. It was so fast evolving. I mean, you say both would have kept up at that speed that the revenue were changing the guidance on the schemes consistently. Because there was huge fear at the start where people, employers were telling other employers not to avail of it, that... um, you know, there there were so many hidden elements of, of this that you ultimately pay for down the road in so many ways, not just financially. Absolutely. Like this, the scheme came out and everyone was like, right, lads, this is great. Followed on from the scheme came the legislation. And in the legislation, there were certain elements to it that we found it hard to advise our clients, should you go for this, should you not? Because our clients' needs and are at the heart of what we do. So the 25% in turnover criteria, this might have been seen as insolvent trading, which is against company law. Uh, sufficient reserves, uh, can that mean, can you apply for it if you work in capital in your company? You need to retain employees. And then the legislation, I suppose, came with the guidance from revenue. They updated it 10 times. But in a court of appeal, if you appeal a revenue determination, the appeal is, is based on legislation and not guidance. Now, thankfully, we got some comfort from the revenue in relation to the reserves, that they understood that reserves was working capital in relation to the turnover, that they're not declaring that as you've been insolvently trading. 
And with the version updated 10 times, the guidance there is good. I just hope that the guidance is illustrated in the legislation if down the line there are some revenue audits in relation to this scheme. It's such a grey area at the moment in terms of comparing cash flow to the previous quarter or the previous month even, or even compared to last year's accounts. I mean, I know for myself as a business, there's no trend there that you can compare one from another because it's it's changing all the time. You know, each month, each year, the accounts are, are quite so different. Uh, you just wonder and would be slightly fearful of how things will get down the road when, you know, money is tight and the government and revenue need to start recouping as much as possible to get the economy up and running again. Yeah, well, I suppose revenue have introduced the uh, tax warehousing scheme. So what they intend to do with this scheme is that you continue to send in your tax returns on time. Even when there is no ability to pay, you still file the return. They've actually agreed to suspend debt enforcement on any interest on late payments. And for 12 months, no interest will accrue on any late payments. Now, after the 12 months, if you haven't repaid that debt, interest will accrue at a reduced rate of 3%. So the warehousing, for the poor to apply, all returns are required to be filed up to date. So I would always advise, look, look at your returns, file them, prepare them and file them. If it's a case that you can't prepare them due to a key employee being absent, file them at a best estimate. Now, down the line, these debts are going to have to be repaid and these need to be factored into your cash flow. I mean, if you look at VAT, revenue go right, charge VAT on your sales if you're a accountable person. So you determine your price and you add the VAT. You collect that VAT. So what essentially is you're doing is you're charging VAT, you're collecting that VAT by way of income, but you're actually collecting that VAT from revenue, for revenue. So if you don't pay that VAT, revenues taken it is, well, that's money you collected for us. So it shouldn't be used for your cash flow. Now, this tax warehousing scheme applies to VAT and KYE. The one bit of advice I would give clients in relation to these two repayments is that for KYE and for companies, if you're a director and you're drawing a salary from your company, and you have outstanding PAYE tax liabilities. If the company goes into liquidation and the tax on the, the payroll isn't paid over to revenue, any tax outstanding from the director's wages, revenue can actually seek that liability personally from the director. So I would always say, if you're looking at your VAT and PAYE liabilities, pay the PAYE liability first. So they can't pursue them for the VAT, but they can pursue them for the PAYE. They can on their wages if the director's tax liabilities aren't paid. Yeah, they can. This is the one thing, though, again, that I I worry about. And it's there's so many loans being offered at the moment that you can get from from Europe, from the banks here in Ireland in reaction to COVID-19. You talked there about how revenue have the tax warehouse scheme where you can kind of Uh, defer on payments for maybe up to 12 months and that's great for people to either go out there and get loans at the moment to help their business or to just defer payments to revenue to help with their cash flow but the reality is that there are businesses there that will probably never really be able to fully reopen again or if they do open that they could actually go under within 12 months how can someone quickly figure out the future of their business 
Well, to me, cash flow is key. Um, and ways to look at your cash flow is to break it down. So look at your debtors, people, customers who owe you money. Request quicker payments. Focus on customers outside of the credit terms. And you can offer early payment discounts to, to just to get your cash flow in. Speed up your invoicing. Look at cash available on delivery. Then look at your stock. Make sure you're not ordering excess stock. Uh, if you are, ask your supplier, can you return the stock? Or can you discount sell the stock on? And then if you look at your creditors, you need to prioritize the essential creditors that you need to keep going. You need to actually look at your costs from January to March or even December to March. What costs do I need to keep this business going? I would say 80% of companies have had to tweak their business model. Some have moved out of offices, some have closed completely, some sectors haven't been affected. But there could be stuff in your P&L that you're paying for that you don't necessarily need. So I would look at them. And then anything you do need, request uh, term extensions. Negotiation with creditors is key. And there's actually a few things in place that can assist you. So we have the energy and gas, so your utilities. So if your business has closed since the 28th of March and you haven't reopened, you can apply to have the charges for light and heat, electricity, etc., to be brought down to zero. So that's a scheme that was announced on the 1st of May. So that's something to take into consideration. Banks, they're often moratoriums. Avail of that moratorium, engage with your bank, ask them for the three-month extension, which has now been extended to six months. Make sure you avail of all that is out there so that you can wrap your head around, where am I right now? I have deferred payments. I have a bit of leeway. I have a bit of time here. So I can sit down and prepare my cash flow. And you need to be very critical looking at your income, looking at your debtors. Who can I collect? Who won't I collect? If I collect this, will I collect it in full? Let's say there's a business closed at the moment and they open up during one of the upcoming phases and they've kind of cash flowed what they expect to come in over the next quarter and they're way down. You know, they might only get 40 percent of what they expect to take in in that quarter. What advice would you give to them then? Should they just shut down again and wait for the market to kind of grow a bit more? Or should they start looking at maybe just putting up the hatches and calling it a day? Well, you see, this is very much on a case-by-case basis because everyone's different. If you do your cash flows in a generic sense and you see that, right, I have my income, I have my costs, I'm operating at a loss, I wouldn't advise anyone to be operating at a loss. I don't think it makes business sense. I think breaking even is good to get you through these however months we have left to get to the end of this. But I don't see any business sense in running a business at a loss consistently. One would wonder then really at the moment with all these rent breaks, commercial breaks, deferment of payment, electricity and gas down to zero for the few months. Are we just going through the honeymoon period? Because what's to happen is those bills are going to have to be paid. People are going to decide whether they're going to return to office environments or not, therefore affecting landlords and commercial rates. People will probably be laid off now, so they won't be availing of the pandemic emergency payment. Is this the honeymoon? This is not a holiday. I mean, these loans, the tax warehousing, you know, it's a deferral. That's all it is. Everything is a deferral. Everything will have to be paid down the line. 
you really need to look at your cash flow for this time next year to ensure that when these liabilities arise and creditors come knocking on your door, that you have sufficient reserves here to pay them. I mean, you could trade very well for 12 months because of all these grants, supports, light and heat. 12 months down the line, that's when your business could be affected, when creditors come knocking and you just don't have the sufficient working capital to repay them. So do you think that it's probably more so in 12 months that we'll see the repercussions of COVID-19 that we're going through today? Well, 12 months for the for the tax liabilities, six months for the bank moratoriums. Rents and rates, the government announced new measures on the 2nd of May, but the details of them haven't been released. So we're all waiting on them to see what are they, how will they support businesses. And to date, we haven't got any information on that yet. I suppose to give some hope and certainty, I, th- I thought the roadmap was great. It gave hope, it gave clarity, it gave people a focus, it gave motivation, it got the drive back on again. Do you know, I have a date, I can open my business, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to look at this, do you know, and we need to get the economy going again. It's very important we do. While adhering to HSE guidelines and why doing it, making sure your staff are safe and your customers are safe. That's the most important thing here. Some companies will incur costs with PPE equipment in their premises, which also needs to be bear in mind when you're when you're looking at cash flows. Yeah, and and of course with demand as well, prices could rise. We were actually doing a shoot over in Birmingham early March, and we were in a county council building where the hand sanitizer that they were using now was a, a high end quality one. It was, was seven pound fifty, and then it went up to twenty eight pound. But that week that we were actually there. It had gone over a hundred pounds sterling for just this small tub of hand sanitizer. There's fears as well that people will really uh, run riot when it becomes compulsory for PPE stuff and hand sanitizers in workplaces that they'll get ripped off. You know, I mean, there's a lot of trust here that needs to be built over the coming months. That's always going to happen. You always have people who emerge into markets like this where they see an opportunity, they seize it. It's a commodity that there is demand for. So people are going to pay for it. I would always say, look at the value you're getting for what you pay for. It's not about quantity, it's about quality. And let's just briefly discuss as well the Redundancy Act, because I don't think many people were actually familiar or even knew that emergency legislation was brought in suspending the Redundancy Act, where as the Redundancy Act did stand pre-COVID-19, if someone wasn't guaranteed employment within, I think, six weeks of being temporarily laid off or within 13 weeks, um, that they could seek redundancy. And the Irish government came in and they suspended uh, the Redundancy Act, knowing probably that people would be out of work for a few months. And if they did seek redundancy, they would liquidate a lot of businesses. So understandably why, it's understandable why they suspended it, but that suspension is due to expire the end of May of this year. So again, a lot of uncertain ground ahead there for employers. Very uncertain ground there because under the emergency measures in the COVID-19 Act, you will not be able to claim redundancy during the emergency period if you're laid off or put on short time as a result of COVID-19. 
So the period set out in legislation is from the 13th of March 2020 to the 31st of May 2020. And however, like this period may ex- be extended beyond this date. Yeah, because it, it could get quite difficult for people. They haven't confirmed anything yet about extending the pandemic unemployment wage. So, you know, in Ireland, anyone who's been temporarily laid off due to COVID-19 are getting €350 per week from welfare. And that was to run for three months until mid-June. And the government haven't clearly stated as of today if it will 100% be extended and if so, till when. So there is a fear out there as of now that people will not be entitled to 350 a week it could drop to 200 euro or so a week post mid june yet their business may, may not open until august and they're in this whole limbo situation where they can't even claim the redundancy that by right they are entitled to as an employee of 2 plus years in an organization like i know people who are 15 years in an organization and they would be entitled to a good lump sum and if they got the lump sum, they could go and seek employment elsewhere, maybe a sector that is going to grow over the next while. But they can't do that because it's it's this whole carrot dangling at the end of the stick, the redundancy or not. Will the business actually reopen and be able to function or not? So much up in the air for people right now. There is huge and it's stressful and it's worrying and it's so uncertain. I would love to be able to tell you that, yes, redundancy will come in or, yes, this is going to happen. But it's just so unclear right now that nobody can advise on that at the moment. But like what I will say is I can't see the government pulling the plug altogether. I mean, that scheme in itself, I know from my experience that clients have had part time staff on the books who they let go who could be earning 100 euros a week. Now they're reopening. They're asking the staff to come back. But why would they come back? They're on 350 a week to sit at home and enjoy the sun. I mean, you, can, you couldn't blame them. So we have issues already with this scheme that's in. Now, I can't fault the scheme because it was put together very quickly when it was needed under time pressure constraints. And they did the best they could with the time they had. And it did help a lot of businesses to continue to trade, retain staff, business continuity. And I mean, that's what it's all about. It is unfair in some ways. I mean, then you could have somebody else who was earning 800 a week and now is on 350 and is, is fighting to go back to work and the work's not there. So I'd be interested to see what the government announced mid-June going forward. Uh, they've had now three months to really look at it, to really sit down, to figure it out. So it'd be interesting to see what they come out with. Can we go back to why you initially got involved in accountancy, Emily? Because... The company you work for, your dad used to run that business, didn't he? Yeah. So my father established Kyo Accountants Group in 1986. And unfortunately, he passed away suddenly. And my uncle, Paddy, took over the practice and built it up. And last year, I became partner with Enza and Joe. So what a year to start running your own business. (laughs) (laughs) So I have learned a lot, but I've been there for 10 years, guided by Paddy. And um, I fell into accountancy, would you believe, by accident. So I was in college doing business and I decided to go into this course. And the course, as I didn't realize, was accountancy. And I ended up finding a real joy for it. I mean, I don't think accountancy is just about figures. 
in my eyes, I think we're much more than that. Like, you know, I always sit down, ask clients their concerns, their issues, show what they can do to be tax efficient. It's what I enjoy doing. It's an amazing story because you were quite young when your father passed away. And, and I remember him well uh, and fondly. And I remember we used to be, your mother was great because when your dad was off at work and, and you were really young, myself, my my best friend, Brian, we'd be helping your mother out in the garden. That's right. We were, guaranteed, <laughs> we were guaranteed a bowl of chips at the end of the... Just to put up with us. <laughs> bribery was brilliant. But you are obviously at, at such a young age that, you know, accountancy wouldn't have even entered your head. But to later in life, become a qualified and certified accountant and then work in a business that your uncle had kind of taken over to keep the business running that you would then work with them and eventually take ownership of the business. Going around in a, in a circle. Look, it's great. Um, I couldn't be happier. I love what I do. I, I love working with the team I have. I always envisioned this. And now that it's actually happened, I couldn't be happier. I, I thoroughly enjoy my job. I have to say that you have been amazing with the information that you have been sending out on a weekly, sometimes daily basis, updating clients on the latest happenings and changes regarding legislations, schemes, funding, grants, and so on. But one of the other initiatives that you recently launched was offering free one-on-one coaching sessions for your clients where you would actually incur the costs. They'd get a free coaching session from a coaching expert to try and give them the chance to focus on the business, see what the problems are, and find solutions. Yeah, so actually that came to me one night when I was thinking and I was like, how can I help my clients? How can I add value to this situation? So I immediately thought of Strivefresh, Jill Carroll. So I asked her would she be interested and thankfully she was. Uh, she's excellent at what she does. So I offered all clients a free 60-minute Zoom session, mastermind session with Jill, really to get them to focus on where they are right now, where they want to be, what they can be doing. because. We, as a firm, try to do everything within our power to make sure our clients keep succeeding, succeeding, and succeeding. I mean, Paddy was around during the 2008 financial crash. He is probably the most proactive accountant that I know. He would always push. He'd always make sure clients are at the core of what he does. He'd always look out for his clients' needs. So that's where I think the trend in our firm comes from. It's from watching Paddy year in, year out, um, how proactive he is, how much he cares about the clients. And, and it's a trickles through the company. Yeah, I mean, Paddy, your uncle who you speak of, I remember the first time I, I met him, he said, uh, look, here's, here's the work number. Here's the office number. Here's my mobile. And here's my house number. If you ever need to ring me at the weekends, I thought, wow, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. fair play to him. I, I was sitting in a barber's one Saturday afternoon and he got a phone call from a client as well who was having some issue and no problem took the call guided the client through and I thought wow it's great to have people like that in business running businesses whose customers are at the very core of what they do and they are our customers are our most important asset they are why we do what we do and we've always had an open door policy you know yourself, clients can drop in. They don't need to make an appointment. Now, unfortunately, that might change because of HSE guidelines. So we also need to tweak our model. But, you know, we love interacting with the customers. We love interacting with them. Even just chatting to them on a personal basis and also a business basis. And we always say, you know, call us any time, weekends, nights. 
we're always available, call up, we're always here. And I think that's very important that clients feel like they can approach you at any time. I mean, because as I always say, and as Patty would always tell them, if you have an issue, please, please ring us. Because if you, if you have an issue and you go and do something about that issue, if the issue is done, it's very hard for us to undo it. So please don't be afraid to contact us and we'll guide you through it. There's even a story he told me before without going into too much detail of someone who used their own company money to buy a villa or something abroad. And it did cause problems down the road. And it was a spontaneous decision that one made. But his advice was, you know, even if it was one o'clock in the morning, ring me before you buy any villas in in Spain. Maybe they really wanted to buy the villa. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So they said they wouldn't ring. (laughs) They'd sort that mess out later. Yeah, look, you always want your clients to be happy. I mean, they have a life to live. They have a reasonable living of standard to obtain. So you always need to make sure that you're doing the best for clients in business and personally. You have some great advice as well for people who may not even be in business. And it's got to do with, I suppose, the prices of houses expected to drop now over the next while. There's a possible benefit there for people. Lower market values instantly means lower tax liabilities. So to simplify it and give you a general scenario, if you had an investment property that was valued at 400000 and you'd always intended to gift it to your children, your children have a CAT threshold of 335000 which means that a parent can move assets to a child as a gift and the assets up to a value of 335000 can move tax-free. So if you have this property and it's pre-COVID-19 and it's valued at 400000 if you move that property over to your child as a gift, the balance of 65000 would have been taxed at 33%. But if the market values are lowering and that house now is lowered to a value of 350000 there is now a CUT liability of 15000 of 33%, which is a great difference from it being sixty-five. So it's always to look at assets now as market values low. Did I intend to transfer this? Did the market value of this asset stop me from transferring this? Look at the value of the asset now. Does it make sense, tax-wise, to transfer this asset at the moment? Because in the future, we don't know what the government is going to do to, I suppose, bring back in the tax, all the taxes they've lost. They could increase the CAT and CGT rates from 33% upwards. They could increase property tax. They could increase stamp duty. They could introduce pension capping. I mean, now is the time to look at assets, where they are, what's your plan for them, how much is going to cost you to transfer them if the market values are now lower. Yeah. And I suppose with the billions being borrowed at the moment, the reality is that they will have to be paid back at some stage. And it's us who will be paying it back, the people of Ireland. This is the reality of the situation. I mean, these taxes do need to be paid in some form. I mean, the the government are now borrowing, albeit at a a low interest rate, but money is been giving out and money always needs to come back in. So like increased taxes together with increasing asset values, will lead to greater tax liabilities. So I think now is the window to be looking at your assets, looking down to the future, looking at what you would like to do with them and seeing is it tax efficient right now, maybe to look at this before these new measures are introduced. Excellent stuff. Emily Kyo, partner of Kyo Accountancy.
Thank you for joining us on Gary Talks. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Emily for giving us so much great advice. If you have any questions for our guests, get in touch with us via social media. And indeed, if you would like to join the conversation and be a guest on the show too, do get in touch. As always, please follow GK Media on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn. Gary Talks is on Instagram, so give us a shout out there. And most importantly, please subscribe to this podcast. We're on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, TuneIn and all other major streaming podcast platforms. Thanks again for listening. Stay safe. Stay sane.